Hi, I'm Sherry Falco. Welcome to the Grace Chronicles. I'm here with my co-host today, Layla Kiley. And our guest today, you're not going to want to miss this, <laughs> is Dr. Jeff Wadoff. And he tells me his stories about a Jewish guy who found the Messiah. So welcome, Jeff. We're so glad to have you today. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. So, Well, this is going to be a great interview. I'm really excited because I love how you tell your story and uh, tell any story, really, because you're awfully, you're quite funny. <laughs> this is not only going to be a, sharing a testimony, but it's very entertaining as well, too. So thank you so much for coming on and being willing to share your testimony here. My pleasure. So um, I was born in Brooklyn back in the 50s. In fact, Brooklyn Jewish Hospital. So I'm Jewish. My parents are Jewish. You know, everybody on both sides of the family, they're all they're all Jewish. OK, back then, that tended to be the way it was. Jews didn't intermarry. So we're born in Brooklyn. When I was about five years old, we moved out on Long Island to a town named Massapequa. The significance of that is um, back then, its nickname was Matzo Pizza. <laughs> Seriously, because so much of it was Italian and Jewish. I mean, that was those were the predominant groups of people. We had other people. We had a fair number of Irish people in there. And the significance of that is simply this. It seemed pretty much all the Italians, all the Irish, they were all Catholic. Mm. There were a few Protestants kind of sprinkled in, but none of us really completely understood what they believed. So, But, <laughs> but the dominant faiths were Judaism and Catholicism. And we didn't talk about it much. The Catholics believed in Jesus being Jewish. We obviously didn't. And nobody ever brought it up except when my friends turned on me and told me we killed him. Right. That wasn't good. Mm. That wasn't fun. Okay? Mm, yeah. I, and before anybody gets upset, I'm not anti-Catholic. My wife was raised Catholic. I, but I just have to give you the context in which I grew up. This is the way I grew up. The Catholics <laughs> believed in Jesus and we killed him. Mm -hmm. Being Jewish, we didn't believe in Jesus. And so my family wasn't observant. Very few Jewish families are, but they did want me to get bar mitzvah. That's what okay. a boy does when he turns 13. It's, it's a rite of passage. And so I went to Hebrew school for three years. Okay. I was actually a pretty good Hebrew school student. I, I skipped the grade. Not sure <laughs> that matters, but I feel good about that. But anyway, in Hebrew school, you learn about a God who's big powerful, kind of scary, but not knowable. Mm. Not knowable. Not on so a no personal, personal relationship. Mm -hmm. No. No. You know he's big. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I get bar mitzvahed, and like most kids when they get bar mitzvahed, that was the last time they ever saw me. Mm. My dad never went to Hebrew school growing up because he grew up in poverty. But my dad had this prevailing conviction that God was good. Never explained how he got there, but God was good. And I still remember once when I was in high school, I hurt my knee and I went to see some specialists and the specialist decided that I did not need surgery. And on the trip home, my dad's like, we get home, we need to thank God for this. Mm. And he never did anything formally, but that was his belief. Okay. He knew, he knew there was a God. He knew he was good. 
and that's how I grew up. Um, so did you believe that then? Because your father believed it, did that shape your perspective of God? It, yes, it did in the sense that if you asked me, did I believe in God? I would say yes. In fact, I was at a friend's bar mitzvah once, and there were, um, and my whole family was there. And my dad calls me over because he's talking to this guy. And he looks at me, he says, I don't want any wise guy answer. That's what he started. <laughs> he says, do you believe in God? I said, yeah. And he looks at the guy, goes, you see, you see that? Mm -hmm. See, it was important to him. So I did believe in God. I knew he was good, but frankly, well, I didn't think about him too much. Mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't guide my life. I was never concerned about pleasing him or displeasing him. So he just never got involved. Okay. No, right, so. <laughs> no, but I knew he was there. Um, but you didn't think that he was an angry God that was out to get you, or you didn't have a negative impression no. of him either. No. Okay. One raised with that. Okay. So, so I get through high school and I decide to go to college at Georgia Tech, which is in Atlanta. And I go to Atlanta. Atlanta had a significant Jewish population. I joined the Jewish fraternity. It was just easier. Mm. Okay. And the Jewish fraternity would set you up with Jewish girls who lived in Atlanta. I mean, you, you, there's still this sense of you're Jewish people, you're separate, you stay like this. Okay. Because you had also said, too, when we had talked earlier, you said that the, your perspective of Gentiles was that they were sinners. The Jews are fine, but Gentiles are sinners. <laughs> I still like that perspective. <laughs> That's not true. But, um, absolutely. It's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand. We had the covenant. You guys didn't. You know, there's a place in, in the Bible where the Canaanite woman comes to Jesus and she wants her daughter healed. And Jesus looks at her and says, well, should I take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? Yeah. She's a dog because she's outside the covenant. And this is the way we viewed it. Mm. We had yeah. the covenant. You didn't. Okay. And that was it. And even though most of us weren't observant, we, we knew that much. You know, I went to Hebrews. I went to college. I mean, in my fraternity, we're Jewish. Now, we didn't celebrate the holidays or anything, but we're Jewish. There's a distinction there. Line of demarcation. So I go to college. And growing up, I never heard the gospel. I never heard the gospel till I got. That's You know what? That's really sad because you said you're in this when you're growing up, right? You're there with with the Italians, you're there with some Irish. I mean, clearly there are believers there and no one thought to to share the gospel with you. I don't think they knew it, Sherry. Okay. And I don't mean this meanly, but back then, Catholics were not encouraged to read the Bible. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. At least this is my understanding. Yeah. My wife was raised Catholic. She went to Catholic school, um, has nothing to do with anything, but her, her, when she's in first grade at Catholic school, she comes home one day all excited and she looks at her parents and goes, I know what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a martyr because martyrs go straight to heaven. Oh. 
<laughs> the whole family starts laughing. And Joey's like, why are you laughing? Oh, Joni, don't you know you need you need to die? She goes, everybody dies. She goes, oh, no, no, no. You you need to be killed. Uh-huh. That's when Joni decided martyrdom wasn't for her. But this is what you're growing up with. Yeah. You know what you've been taught. You didn't know. What did you think of Jesus? Because I know you'd heard of Jesus. Good question. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention it. So we were taught about him briefly, like 10 minutes in Hebrew school. Ah. And what it simply was, was around that time, there were a lot of guys claiming to be the Messiah, which is true. Mm. And Jesus was just one of them. He had a better shtick than everybody else. Oh, jeez. So more people believed in him. And then eventually he got what was coming to him. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. One of the issues with the idea of Jesus as the Messiah is Jews do not believe that the Messiah is God. He's a man. And he's not coming to save you from your sins. He's coming to set up the kingdom and get rid of, you know, all the people who are interfering. I mean, back then it was like, are you going to kick? The Messiah was supposed to come kick the Romans out and set Uh up the kingdom in Israel. Mm. Right. Right. That's what they thought. And you see this even in Acts. After Jesus raised from the dead, they look at him and go, are you going to restore the kingdom? Mm. They still didn't completely get what he was doing. Yeah. So this is the mindset. So I don't need Jesus to die for my sins. I'm not a sinner. Uh, yeah, so you don't need the first salvation. Mm-hmm. The second issue, and again, I have no axe to grind with anybody, but historically Jews dealt with a lot of persecution from people claiming to be Christians. Mm. Think of the Spanish Inquisition. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Nazis used Martin Luther's writings to justify their anti-Semitism. In fact, if you go to the Holocaust Museum, they have Luther's writings on the wall. Okay. So we looked at the Gentiles. I wouldn't say we looked at them as an enemy, but, you know, we saw all the things we'd endured at the hands of the church, so to speak. And I know it's just a faction of the church. And Mm -hmm. obviously I'm not anti-church, but so you stayed away. Um, If you were an Orthodox Jew, and very few Jews are Orthodox, but this will help you understand. If you're an Orthodox Jew and you accept Jesus, the family would have a funeral for you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You accept Jesus, you're no longer Jewish. Mm -hmm. And you stepped outside of that covenant, I suppose, is the way they view it. Well, it's it's like you're going to the other side. You're going to the enemy's camp a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're that rejecting your heritage. You're rejecting everything. Um, so anyway, so I'm in college. And my Jewish fraternity, we made fun of Christians. We thought the whole thing was ridiculous. You know, when we were young and arrogant and obnoxious. So we would, we would, we would do those things. But my junior year, I meet this girl named Terry. Terry had come to know the Lord through the Catholic charismatic movement. And I liked Terry, but Terry was the first person I ever met who acted like she knew God, Mm. which I thought was really weird. (laughs) I did. 
But you, so like you mean that. more beyond head knowledge? This was more personal relationship. Is that what it yeah. seemed? Yeah, mm -hmm. she knew God. No, but you notice what he okay. said, right? He said she but acted that, like she knew God. It was really weird, but I liked her. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked her despite that. Oh, <laughs> at that point in time, Sherry, not because of it. Okay. Despite anyway, it. <laughs> we became friends, and. I'm up in a room one night talking to her and these two girls walk in and they go, we're from First Georgia Baptist. And I looked at them and said, sounds like a bank. Does. I'd like to say I've mellowed, but not as much as I should have. <laughs> sounds like a bank. And so they looked at me and they said, well, what do you think about Jesus? And I said, I'm Jewish. I figured that would end it because it always ended. <laughs> Yeah. Well, back in New York, you know, I'm Jewish. Okay. So we know what that means. You know, I'm Jewish. Yeah. We don't think and about then, him. <laughs> and then they looked at me and said, so what do you think? And I said, you want to know what I think? She goes, yeah. You really want to know? They go, yeah. I said, I think you're nuts. Mm. And I did. First of all, growing up, the Catholics would pray to Mary, or at least this is my understanding of it. Okay. The Protestants would laugh at the Catholics and go, why bother with Mary? We go straight to Jesus. Well, being Jewish is like, well, why bother with him? We go straight to the big guy. So that mm. didn't make any sense. The second thing that didn't make any sense was the Trinity. Mm. Explain the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To a Jew, you've got three gods. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's one God, three pe people. No, it's not one God, three people. Nobody could explain it. And they just sounded confused. Go, you got three gods. And remember, monotheism is the heart of Judaism. Mm -hmm. Right? It's yeah. one thing the Jews gave to the world. Yeah. So she wasn't going to argue me into the kingdom. She wasn't going to win an argument with me. First of all, I was too annoying to deal with. But second of all, it's like you can't explain this to a Jew. We have the covenant. The Messiah is coming. He's more of a political figure. Come on now. So she said to me, one, she said to me, do you believe in God? And I said, yes. Hadn't talked to him in a while, but yes. Why don't you ask God if Jesus is real? Mm -hmm. So I thought about it. My first thought is, I don't know. You know, you make them angry. Things may not end well. That was my initial <laughs> thought. <laughs> and then I thought, you know, I bet he wouldn't mind. And, and I wasn't on this hunt. I, I mean, we hear testimonies of people who they're desperately desperate. And they're searching for God. And that's great and wonderful. Please. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But I was one of these guys who wasn't looking. Mm. But I just figured you probably should. You know, you should, probably should get the right answer to this one. Probably should know what it is. Yeah. So I went back to my, you know, room and I said to the Lord, is Jesus real? I didn't hear anything. So I went to okay. sleep. And I don't know how I came to know. I mean, we can say now the Holy Spirit revealed it to me, but it wasn't like anything dramatic happened at that point in time. It was like this slow process, like by osmosis. It just kind of slowly, I started to see things differently. Nothing dramatic was happening, but over time, 
without me searching, it was like, okay, maybe this is real. So that's Because you had said you felt like something was different. I mean, you woke up the next day and then well, it seemed after like- I got saved. Oh, okay. Okay. We, we, we get, we, we're getting there. We're on our way. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate you bringing it up, Layla. I appreciate it. Um, this way I don't forget anything. Well, that July, I was going to visit Terry. Terry lived outside of Pittsburgh. So I drove to Pittsburgh. And there's one night, it's July 4th, 1975. I mean, I remember pretty clearly. It's three o'clock in the morning. We are sitting at this on this picnic table at this park outside Pittsburgh. We're just sitting there talking. And I look at Terry and I say, I've been asking God and I believe. That was it. Mm. And as soon as I said that, I was drunk and I couldn't move. Oh. And I hadn't been drinking. Mm. And Terry is, Terry is, Jeff, I got to go to the bathroom. Terry, I can't move. A few minutes later, Jeff, I got to go to the bathroom. Terry, I can't drive. I mean, it was like this dramatic thing. And I knew it had to be God. It never occurred to me it would be anything else. Um, I was an engineering student. based on your confession, right? What's that? that? It was just based on your confession, right? I believe. I mean, that was what changed. And there I am. Knew it had to be God. Didn't believe it was anything else. I was an engineering student. I was as analytical as they come. I didn't do drugs in college. I drank, I didn't do drugs. So I thought, this has got to be God. And basically, I don't know if I actually said this, but this was the attitude of my heart. I'm in. Mm. I had no idea what I was getting into. Mm. But it was pretty clear to me at that moment in time, okay, that this is the real deal. Jesus is the Messiah. And if he's the Messiah, there's only one rational response. I still didn't think I was a sinner. Mm. I found that out later. I didn't, you know, the term we use, get saved, to to get delivered, to get free, to get rid of my sins. And all those things are good and all those things are true. But I didn't even know I had any of that. Mm. Yeah. So I go, I drop Terry off. I go back to where I'm staying. And I remember this. And I looked in the mirror and I was disappointed. I looked the same because I knew I was different. Mm. I knew, like I know my name. I knew I was different. I mean, the Bible says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature, but I didn't know anything. Mm. It was so spooky. I slept with the light on that night. I remember. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so later that night. Um, Terry and I go to her family's picnic. She had a large family. They're all fanatical Christians. And I had never encountered a group of people like this. I am 19, I'm 21 at the time. Never encountered this. And I'm watching it. And she's got a cousin of hers who's just sitting in this chair. And every few seconds, she rises up a little bit and goes, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm thinking, okay, she's weird. <laughs> then her cousin, Steve, great guy. In fact, he later married us, is running around with this big smile on his face. And he's saying, I'm on the winning side. And I have no clue what he's talking about. <laughs> These are weird people. <laughs> but they were very happy. Mm. A whole lot happier than my family ever was when we got together. 
So I spent the day with them and they were just great people. And that night, they're gathered around me and they're telling me all these things. And a lot of it I don't understand, I don't remember. But I remember them saying to me, the Bible is true. Mm. Okay. So I drive home. I get a living Bible, which was the easiest thing to read. And I start reading it. And a lot of it I didn't understand. But the stuff I understood, I tried out. And it's all working. Like what? Wow. Like what? Well, okay. Seek first the kingdom. I okay. tried that. It worked. Mark eleven twenty four. whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe. I tried that. It was working. I was getting all sorts of prayers answered. Wow. When I was in Pittsburgh one night, Terry and I were with Steve and his wife, Dorothy, and Dorothy starts speaking in tongues, which obviously I'd never heard. Okay. And he knew nothing about being filled with the spirit and speaking in tongues, but I heard all this. And I said to Terry, what is this? And she explained it to me. And I had no problem believing it. You know, okay, you're in. God, anything's possible. So I'm back home that summer and I'm leaning over my TV praying and I just start speaking in tongues. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. It's like, yeah, why not? So I'm trying these things and they're working. And I actually wondered if I didn't discover something new because I never met anybody who did that. Mm. Oh, I was not lacking confidence, okay? But I mean, you know, I was wondering. <laughs> I love how open-minded you were to everything. So I'm doing this. Um, my family's not thrilled, especially my dad, which surprised me. But I kind of expected it, and I kind of didn't care because, I, you know, I knew I had found the truth. Yeah. I go back to college to my Jewish fraternity. They're not happy either. Wow. And I still remember my fraternity brother sitting down with me and saying, look, I don't believe, I don't believe in God yet, but I'm Jewish and I don't like this. Mm. This is the other thing people have to understand. A lot of Jews are Jews culturally, mm. but they're still looking at Jesus as the enemy. Mm. So I put up with some stuff from them and I kind of expected it. But I knew I'd found the truth. I wasn't going to church because I didn't know Christians went to church. I knew Catholics went to church. I didn't know if Catholics were Christians. Yeah. I mean, obviously they are. And I know that now. I didn't know any of that. So that March, I get saved in July. Now it's March. Terry says to me, you got to go to this church and hear this guy. So she kind of dragged me there. I'm in this Pentecost Church of God, Pentecostal church. And they have this guest speaker and the guy's hysterical. I'm almost falling out of the pew. I'm laughing so hard. I didn't know this happened in church. I didn't know anybody in church was happy. Mm -hmm. So I go. And then a few days later, I go back on my own. And I listen to this guy. And then at the end of the service, sometime later, there's like a dozen of us standing around in a circle. And in the middle, there's this guy whose arms are just hang. They're just hanging. You know, just completely limp. I later found out the guy was paralyzed. He had had a stroke. The pastor, a guy named Doc Horton, Doc was a great guy, is praying for this guy. And I'm, I'm staring at all this. Well, God heals the guy's arms. The guy shoots his arms up in the air, praising God. Doc takes the mic, puts it in the guy's face and says, 
say, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. The guy says, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. The guy's wife walks over, looks at Doc and goes, he can't talk. Doc takes one look at her, takes a look at the guy, takes the mic, puts it back in the guy's face and say, say, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. The guy says, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Doc starts laughing, goes, well, he can now. Now, I was already in, but this sealed. Wow. And you see, I'm thrilled, but I'm not surprised because I'm reading my Bible. Mm. And if the book is true, this should be happening. Yeah. And now I'm seeing it and it's happening. And this is, that was 1976. So this is what, 40, 47 years later. And this is still how I'm living. I know God. I know that sounds like a ridiculous statement to many people. I know God after spending 47 years with him. I have an idea of what he's like. I, I, I've read his word. He's faithful to do what he promised. And I just keep doing this. It's not complicated. So now I have to ask you, what's your perspective of Jesus now? Okay, first I'm going to give the glib answer and say whatever's in the book. But seriously, mm -hmm. okay? I know he's the Messiah. And I now know I was a sinner. And I now know he died for my sins. And now I understand him to be the embodiment of a loving God. That Jesus came to earth and he did all sorts of signs, wonders, and miracles. Obviously, that helped prove who he was. But I think what we miss is he didn't do those things just as advertising. He did those things out of his love for people. If you study the compassion of Jesus, where the Bible says he was moved with compassion, he was moved with compassion and healed the sick. He was moved with compassion and fed the multitudes. He was moved with compassion and raised the dead. The love of God doesn't pet people. It changes lives. Yeah, that's and good. Jesus came to earth and changed lives while he was on earth. But then he went to the cross and he dealt with the one thing that we couldn't fix. And that was our sin. We were sinners and we were incapable of cleaning ourselves up. Completely and totally helpless. Yeah, I say Jesus didn't come because you were good. Jesus came because you were helpless. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of our helplessness, he came and he said, I'm taking your sin on me. I am taking everything on me so that you can be restored. Because at the end of the day, God wants a family. Think about it. He puts Adam and Eve in the garden. That's his family. And Adam and Eve sin in the garden. And from that point on, and this is clear if you look... It's good to read the Old Testament thinking about this. From Genesis 3.15, when he talks about the fall on, the Bible is a book about God as the ultimate lover, relentlessly, passionately pursuing mankind to restore the relationship that mankind broke. 
And you know what? That's what your testimony is. That's one thing I love about your testimonies. You're like, I wasn't looking. Right. (laughs) I wasn't looking, but God pursued you. And, and with just like one question, right? Somebody said, ask if Jesus is real. And, And you say, why would he pursue me? Because there's nothing special going on. I'm just somebody who's lost in need of a savior. That's what he does. That's just who he is. He's always pursuing. He never stops. Mm. You know, and our great revelation, and we think we're brilliant and smart, it's just kind of like all of a sudden, like the veil's taken off our eyes and we see he's there all the time. Yeah. Right? And the other, the other thing that strikes me about, about your story is the childlike simplicity. You said it's not here. You're an engineer, right? So you have this, (laughs) this mind that I'm sure can do complex things, but you're like, it's in the book. (laughs) So I shouldn't be surprised if it's in the book. And so just like taking him at his word is, is really what it's all about is it's simple. And I love that about, about your story. I, I can't daily walk out a complicated theology. Yeah. Maybe somebody else can, but frankly, Sherry, I can't. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Albert Einstein, another Jewish guy, quite a bit smarter than me. But but Einstein said, make everything as simple as possible, but no simpler. I like that. I'd like that okay. too. Mm-hmm. And it takes so, you a minute to think about it, but I'm like, yeah, I like that. No, think <laughs> about it. Because I am always trying to take these things and sim- make them actionable. Yeah. Think about this, okay? You drive a car, right? So what do you know about how an automobile works? What do you know about the inner workings of an internal combustion engine? Nothing. nothing. I know nothing. (laughs) Okay. But here's what you know. There's this pedal that makes it go. There's this pedal that makes it stop. And there's this wheel which helps you direct the thing. And if you know how to use those three things, you can drive. But if you try to figure out how to drive, because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, now, when I press on this pedal, what happens? Well, it's sending a signal to these fuel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Or if you say, when I step on the brake, what happens? So you're, you're driving in traffic and you're thinking, I have to slow the car down. What do I have to do? Well, I step on this pedal. And if I step on this pedal, by the time you get through thinking about everything, you've already run into the guy behind you. Yeah. You can't drive thinking like that. You have to drive thinking this pedal makes it go, this pedal makes it stop, and this turns it around. Right? The things we do well are because we om- they're almost instinctive. Mm-hmm. And I think all the reading and the study is to get to know God to the point where it's instinctive. You know him. It's not an arrogant claim to say that you know him. 
because that's his heart desire. Mm. And we know him because he has made himself knowable. I, you know, and relating that back using the analogy of driving a car, and that's kind of the same thing. Although I may not understand all how the engine works and everything, right. I can drive the car. Right. I can know him, right? I, even though I may not understand every detail and how everything is working, that I can slim, simplify it to that degree at least, right? That, But yet I can know how to drive the car and move in this kind of relationship with him simply. You don't want a God you can fully understand. Mm. Because a yeah. God you can fully understand is not big enough to get me out of some of the messes I get myself in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't point. want a God that's, that I can fully understand because then he's got an IQ like me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? There's no mystery you can left. Know him. Yeah. And you can know him intimately. Mm-hmm. But he's infinite. Yeah. That's so good. He's past completely comprehending. And that's okay. Because in that, there's the wonder, there's the pursuit, there's the always, I want to know him better. You can always know him better. And and there's this wonder and there's just joy in getting to know him. And it's endless. So good. Well, can you um, pray for our listeners? Um, Would you mind doing that and then extending them an invitation? I would love to. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you said if we ask anything according to your will, you hear us. And if you hear us, we know we have what we've desired. So in the name of Jesus, first, I want to I want to pray for the skeptics. The people out there who wonder about all this, the people out there may be cynical, the people who aren't seeking after you. I was in that same boat, Father. And we are asking that you would begin to speak to them. You would begin to draw them, that you would open their eyes and they would come into the understanding, the realization of who you are, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the son of God, that he did come to earth. He did die for our sins and he is raised up and he's seated with you in heaven. That you would begin to show that. Now, I want to pray for those of you who you're ready, you want to accept Jesus as Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for drawing these people to you, Father. And if you're watching this and you want to accept Jesus as Lord, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Nothing magic about the words, guys, but this prayer will work. And so repeat after me. Say, Jesus I know I'm a sinner, but Jesus, I know you came to save me from our sins. So Jesus, from this moment on, I turn my life over to you. You're in the driver's seat and I accept you as my savior and as my Lord. Amen. Thank you so much. What a blessing. I love your story. You guys, I, this was so much fun. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this. This is a lot of fun.